Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Insights Podcast. My name is Elliot Sloan with the McCallum Group. Today, we have a special guest, Monty Vizi, who is the president and CEO of Georgia Alliance of Community Hospitals. Monty, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us today. Uh, please tell us a little bit about your professional experience and the organization that you're operating, which is the Georgia Alliance of Community Hospitals. The Georgia Alliance of Community Hospitals was formed in 1983. I have been president and CEO since that time. Uh, so I got a lot of experience in healthcare because uh, that's all we do is lobby for good sound laws and regulations as it pertains to not-for-profit hospitals. At the end of the day, we want legislation that is sound, regulations that are sound, to help us treat patients and patient outcomes in a much better way. Wonderful. So how many hospitals are a part of the organization? We have about 90 healthcare systems. And when I say systems, some hospitals own more than one. And they have clinics around town and et cetera. So we have about 90 systems representing probably a hundred hospitals. Wow. That's um, a lot of systems that you are lobbying for and trying to make sure that all these communities they serve are being taken care of the best they can. Well, there's a, a real good uh, fine distinction between not-for-profit and for-profit. And many people do not understand that a for-profit usually is owned by Wall Street and their main mission is profits to return to their shareholders where our mission is taking care of the community. We provide a lot of charity care, energy care, uh, community benefits are a big thing to us. Uh, we put a lot back into the community. For a lot of these not-for-profit hospitals, I would imagine a lot of the services they provide, they're operating at a loss. Is that correct? Well, if you look in the walls of the hospital, uh, one of the distinctions between not-for-profit and for-profit is we provide all services, even if they generate a loss, we still provide that service. Whereas in a for-profit setting, they only offer what is profitable. Sure. I know with out-of-network benefits kind of evaporating and insurance companies not wanting to reimburse specialists, what they're used to reimbursing for specialty procedures, and yeah. that's causing specialists to not want to take shifts in the emergency department. So I know other health systems are dealing with the issue where they can't staff a neurologist or a plastic surgeon in their ER because the insurances are not willing to reimburse these specialists for these emergency visits. Is that something that you're seeing happening in your community hospitals? More and more so. 
the insurance companies are very tough to negotiate with. Um, some of the rates they're offering now are less than what Medicare reimburses us for. And uh, we've had recently two major hospitals that impacted over a million lives out of network. They have been resolved in the last 30 days and I'm thankful for that. But yes, it's getting harder and harder to negotiate with the insurance companies while they're making record profits. Yeah. And increasing uh, charges to the consumer. Sure. So do you see that being an ongoing issue where somebody shows up to the emergency room and they say, sorry, we don't have uh, a neuro on, on staff currently. You're going to have to go to the hospital an hour away and there's going to be gaps of care from specialists when patients need to be seen right away. When you get out of the Metro Atlanta area, you see that at a lot of hospitals. Yes, but we have about, 80 counties that do not have a general surgeon, nine counties without a physician, uh, many counties without a healthcare system. And we're seeing more and more that are going on the blink of closure. We've had about 10 to close over the last seven or eight years, which is a, a huge problem because in rural Georgia, especially in the southeast and southwest, uh, when a hospital closes, it means that a patient has to drive about 35 miles to get care in a hospital. The next thing to close is pharmacy. We've had banks to close because we are high-paying jobs for skilled personnel. Now, one of the things that's it seems to be helping. I think there's a great future for is telehealth, telemedicine, especially to rural counties. I think as we see more and more uh, broadband laid down, uh, we're just going to be able to broaden that uh, stream of patients that need care. The idea behind it is to get to them early, get them in compliance, and keep them out of the hospital. Now, these communities that are losing their, their local hospital, is there an opportunity for an urgent care to come in, or there's just not enough business for the urgent care to survive? Well, one of the problems there is finding nurses. We have a huge shortage in the state and nationally. One of our big issues this year will be the workplace shortage. There are two problems that exist. That is, uh, one, getting high schoolers interested in healthcare and especially nursing. We have done a lot of joint ventures now with the technical schools to improve uh, nurse training, uh, but we have to get them in the pipeline. But we're doing everything we can uh, to train not only nurses, 
but we do all the training for medical education. We provide the training for physicians. We lose a lot of money on that teaching, uh, but it's something we feel like is within our mission to do. So you're the Georgia Alliance of Community Hospitals is providing educational training content to all the members? Yes. Is this for continuing education units? Well, continuing education is included in that, but residency programs at our hospitals and classroom, we provide all the medical education. Got it, for the residency programs. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about what are the most pressing issues for health systems going into 2023? Why would you say, I'm sure there's a variety of answers to this question, but what are the primary reasons some of these hospitals are clawing to survive? In a lot of areas in the state, utilization is down. Surgery is down. With the COVID pandemic, we had to put off all elective surgery. Which is the main feeder for these, a main revenue source for these hospitals. It's a main revenue source uh, for the hospitals. Uh, so surgery is down. We've had to close floors or shut down patient beds because we're short staff. Is it the problem that a lot of the talent in the rural areas are flocking to the cities for higher paying opportunities? What they're doing is leaving the south of the hospital to become, quote, a traveling nurse. One hospital I talked to yesterday was paying $240 an hour to nurses. How could a hospital survive with having to pay those hourly rates? You don't. You don't. And what you will see is some of your better hospitals, if things do not improve, will be out of business. Wow. You mentioned telehealth. What are you doing as an organization to help these rural areas or communities that are underserved get access to patient uh, uh, provider care through telehealth? Well, we, number one, we are the governor and the legislature have dedicated a lot of money uh, in telehealth, mainly to lay broadband down. Telehealth works great in the areas that have broadband. It keeps patients out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, and we diagnose a lot quicker. Sure. And not everybody has to come to the hospital. Sure. Yeah, it's a great triaging system. It is. Um, we only, we hope for a lot of improvement. We have joint venture with a lot of the EMCs now in Georgia uh, to lay down broadband and get it up and running. And that is taking place as we speak. Uh, we have several EMCs that are now offering broadband access. That's great. In rural areas. Sure. 
So it's coming along. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely the future of healthcare is going to rely a lot on telemedicine. Um, a lot of it will be on telemedicine. It's, uh, it's just going to take widespread adoption. Yeah, because we have in a hospital setting, in most cases, we have the volume of patients. Sure. Uh, in fact, we uh, need more beds in certain areas of the state. And telehealth is just a way to keep them from coming to the hospital if you catch their diagnosis early enough. Talk to me about the importance of the culture in a health system and how does the leadership make a difference in the culture in a health system? Leadership is probably the main pillar in a hospital. They are, it starts at the top, the culture does. And it works its way down based on the mission. And you must have a good culture for everyone to work together as one organization to provide the best outcome possible for a patient. We put patient care over profits every day. And we see all patients that come and show up in the ER. Uh, so having the right leadership to distribute health care is so important to hospitals today. As an executive CEO or anyone on the leadership team of a hospital, especially the non-for-profit hospitals, your heart has to be fully committed to doing whatever it takes to do what's right for the patients. And that's the agenda and the mission every single day. You're exactly right. Um, we have to look beyond just what's good for us. We have to look at the makeup of payers all across the board. Mm -hmm. And because we're open 24 seven, 365 days of the year, uh, we see a lot of patients come through our ERs and we have to be in a position to have the right staffing and specialists to tend to those patients to have a good outcome. Well, Monty, I appreciate you sharing some of these experiences and insights with us today. It sounds like your organization really has your work cut out to maintain healthcare services throughout the state of Georgia and access to healthcare for every community out there. Uh, you guys are doing some amazing work for the communities. And, um, you know, I know the hospitals are, are blessed to have a team like yours fighting for them when it comes to legislation and um, giving them some relief when they need it. Yeah, because, you know, legislators get elected, um, Surprisingly, most of them do not have health care on their agenda or know enough about it to make good decisions. We try to educate them on what a hospital is all about, why it needs to do what it's doing, and how 
rules and regulations and legislation impacts that facility. We, as a group last year, we monitored over 70 different pieces of legislation, uh, 60 of which we had input on uh, that would have been detrimental to all hospitals. So, but the legislator uh, thought they were doing the right thing, but you have to show them how it impacts the local hospital. And I think we do a very good job with a limited budget on organizing that and putting it into play, helping them understand the distinction of a not-for-profit hospital versus a for-profit hospital that are only interested in the bottom line for their shareholders. Thank goodness for organizations like yours and these community hospitals that are fighting day in, day out for the underprivileged and the underserved. Yeah, thank you, Elliot. We, uh, we're going to continue promoting our mission. Yep. Um, we're going to continue to monitor legislations and rules and regulations, the for-profits and the insurance companies. They have a ton of lobbyists sure. that are very good at what they do, and we have to compete with that. That's terrific, Monty. And I think a lot of people will be very interested to learn the disparities out there. And we really appreciate you sharing all these insights with us. Uh, we'll definitely check up uh, in a few months with you and get you back on for another podcast so our audience can learn what's been happening throughout the state of Georgia with these community hospitals that are, are fighting to survive. Well, thank you, Elliot. And I hope that you will help get the word out there. So thank you very much for you taking the time for this interview. Yeah, thank you. We'll do whatever we can to spread the message. Thanks again, Monty. You have a wonderful day. You have a blessed day. Likewise. Likewise.